0: Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Something is going to happen inside people today. If you don't know about me, uh, I'll, I'll share a quick testimony. Um, I, I was a youth pastor for eight and a half years down the road in Duncanville, Texas, and now I am the Youth Alive uh, Director of North Texas. You'll hear a little bit about what that is about, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, and then I'm going to, I am going to preach, don't worry. And, um, but here's, here's what happened. I was youth pastor for eight and a half years, but God spoke to, um, God spoke to, To me and my wife, and he said, "Hey, uh, three years in, I want you to be youth pastor of your city and of your community, not just of your youth ministry." All right. Now I'm telling you this because it it's going to explain how I got into the position that I'm in now. And I just want to say thank you so much, LifeGate, for your generosity to our ministry. Thank you so much. Because you're going to hear about what we're seeing and what we're doing. But if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be able to do it, okay? So I just want to say thank you. But anyway, uh, I, so I show up to a middle school with a box of donuts. Yeah, right? They didn't know what to do with me, so they stuck me with the middle school girls basketball team. It's like, all right, cool, let's do this. So I show up with donuts and we began to do Bible studies, and I began to talk to them about Jesus, okay? And I, I built relationship with the, with the coaches, and I built relationship with the players. And uh, many of them started coming to our youth ministry, and many of the girls stayed at our youth ministry from the time they were in the seventh grade to the time they graduated high school, okay? Really cool. And uh, so then as I kept doing that, guess what? The boys came. Well, the boys didn't come for me. They came for the donuts and the girls, yeah it was like whatever works right so I they start coming we start having these conversations and we start talking about Jesus and man God just begins to really open up some doors then God opened up doors for us to be in Duncanville High School which is a very large high school has 5,000 students in it and um, man I'm I'm giving you the short version of the story and uh, man we went into Duncanville and What began to happen is my students began to see me in their school actually practicing what I preached, (laughs) okay? And through that, what happened was our students caught a fire and our students said, you know what, we want to start a Jesus club, okay, a Bible club in our high school. So I was like, awesome, let's do it. We had no idea what we were doing. We didn't know how we were going to do this thing. And man, they started working at it. I was trying to help them as best I could. They invited me to their very first Jesus Club, okay? And I showed up, and I was showing up, and I had no faith. I was a terrible youth pastor. I thought like five kids were going to be at this thing. And that would have been really, really good. But I show up, and there's 50 students at this Jesus Club, Come on, come on. I actually think we have a picture of it. It's the one in the cafeteria. You can kind of see that, right? Y'all, I know it's a terrible picture, okay? I snapped it on my phone, all right? Chill. It was like an iPhone 2 or something like that. Uh, But, but look. There's 50, you see it, it's like 50 or 60 students at this Jesus Club, and I was floored. They were not just playing games, they were preaching the word of God, they were having worship, and they were doing small groups. They were running it better than I ran my youth ministry, (laughs) and I was taking notes, but it's, and anyway, that was incredible, and I realized something, that God desires to use students now not just later that god not only desires to use students but god desires to use his church still okay not just in a church building y'all hearing me and so all that began to happen, and man, we, we got connected with the Dunganville basketball team, the Dunganville football team, so we began to see some crazy stuff happen. We did Gatorades, and then the coach let me speak, and then anyway, I was on the sideline of a football game. I'm really giving you the, the, the quick version because I see that countdown clock back there, and it's making me nervous. Uh, so, and anyway, so a guy walks up to me. And he gives me a prophetic word on the football field and I'm like, who is this dude? And he says, God's going to give you two and you're going to see a revival here in Duncanville. And me and my wife are like, you're crazy. But we receive it. We begin to pray over that word and pray over that word and pray over that word. Well, a few months later, two students from our campus ministry that we've been ministering to, guess what? They get radically, radically saved. Their life gets flipped, turned upside down in Jesus' name. And guess what? They go back to their school, into their hallways, their classrooms, their teams, their locker rooms. And they start witnessing and evangelizing to their friends. They start leading their friends to Jesus On the football team, in classrooms, in hallways, at lunch tables. And then after they get them saved, and sometimes before they got them saved, they'd invite them to church, right? And then they'd get saved. We saw healings. We saw people laying things down from football teams and from from just classmates, all of these things. And then in one semester, we saw 38 students make a decision to be baptized in water. Come on. And that was in front of teachers, principals, coaches, all of this. What I'm trying to say is I realized that God was calling us to equip students to do the work of the ministry. Okay? And um, when the Youth Alive position opened, God spoke something to us. God's calling, Right? <laughs> Trying to get somebody's attention. Uh he spoke something to us. He said, if you could see what happened at Duncanville happened in other cities, in other schools, in other churches and youth ministries, wouldn't that be something that's worth being a part of? And we said, Yes, of course. Right? I think I have a picture of one of those baptisms up here. He almost threw me out of the dunk tank right there. That's craziness. I'll say this though. <laughs> Literally chunked me out almost. But anyway, I'll say this. I'll say this. This this is what we do. And we believe, we believe that students now are able to be equipped to share the gospel. That they are not called just when they're 20 or 30 or 40 but they're called now when they're 15 16 17 18 years old and what we're seeing now through youth alive just so you know is we're seeing a generation of students rise up to say i want to start jesus clubs we have 40 jesus clubs launched right now um, across north texas our goal right is to have a hundred launched by the end of the school year Okay, And I'm telling you through camps and through rallies and through things that we've done, we have 300 that are going to potentially launch this year that have been designed and dreamed. All student-led and church-fed, okay? And I'll end you with this, and then I am going to preach for 13 minutes, all right? (laughs) Billy Graham said the next Great Awakening was going to happen through the church, but in the marketplace. What if we were raising up students now to start Jesus Clubs in schools and in teams and in clubs and all of those things so that when they're 20, 30, 40, they're still doing that so that we could see the next great awakening here in America? What if it wasn't gonna happen through you or me, but it was gonna happen through the students that are sitting in our seats? That's what we're believing for that's what we think is going to happen and here's what I know that God is not just wanting God is not just wanting to use students he's still wanting to use you and he doesn't just want you to use students or he doesn't just want to use you in a church is what I mean but he wants to use you outside of the church that the word of God says, Ephesians 4.12, that we equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? That as the saints, that, that is the church. That I, I need you to know something, that you don't go to church, you are the church, and you exist for the world, okay? And the title of my message tonight is this, or today is this, there is a you in church. Y'all like that wordplay? Come on. There is a you in church. So when you think about the church, you need to not think about the building. You You need to not think about the lights and the screens. You need to not think about the worship team. You need to think about you. And if we're going to be the church, then we must shift and change some of our mindsets and some of our perspectives when we leave here every single Sunday. Yeah, right? Oh, y'all are shouting me down, all right? Y'all are making me want to preach. Y'all hearing me though, right? That if we're going to be the church that Jesus has called us to be, then we have to shift some things in our thinking for when we leave here. Or, or church will only ever be a place that we come and not something that we are. And here are four things that we must shift and we must change. I want you to understand that the church for far too long has been back-pedaling. But it is time for the church to advance. Because this is what it says in Matthew eleven twelve. I love how the New Living Translation says it. It says, um, From the time of John the Baptist, when he began preaching until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking it. In Matthew 16, 18 through 19, it says, the famous verse we all know, P, uh, Jesus is talking and he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. As his church, he has given you authority, Right? And I need you to hear me, that we are not just supposed, as the church, we are not supposed to just take a seat, we are called to take territory. Come on. That's what this is about. We can, man, you are a person that has the authority and the power to bind up things and to loose things and to cast out demons and to heal the sick and to preach and to share the gospel. This is who you are as the church that he has given you all power and authority to do this thing. And so many times we 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 stay in church and we're like, "Oh my gosh, we just got to make it until the rapture happens." No, no, no. His kingdom is forcefully advancing in the earth. And he is using his church and his people to do it. What what's what's he saying? When he says, go and make disciples of all nations, he's saying, go advance my kingdom. Guess what? Every time we support a missionary, I'm not just giving away money, I'm helping take territory. That, That every time I go on prayer walks in my neighborhood, guess what? I'm not just praying, I'm taking territory. That every time I walk into a mall or a restaurant, I'm not just eating and I'm not just shopping. I'm looking at how I can take territory in the name of Jesus. That every time I go into my workplace, I'm not just in my office or in my cubicle. No, I'm figuring out how do I advance the kingdom of God to the next office or the next cubicle. Taking territory advances his kingdom. As the church, you are not called to take a seat, you are th- called to take territory. The second one is this, as the this is the second thought. As the church, I don't just come to church, I build the church. I build the church. I don't just mean build stuff at the church. I mean, I am responsible for building the church. 1 Peter 2.5, the disciple Peter writes to us and he tells us who we are. He says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepti- acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. There is one cornerstone, that is Jesus. We are not called to uphold the church. We're just called to build it, right? We're just called to gather things around, people around so that the house is able to grow. And I said this earlier, but church is not built for us. We are the church, and we are built for the world. Listen, I know church can be annoying sometimes, Right? Like, we don't have it all together. Church is not perfect, and I've been into a lot of churches. No church is. Y'all need to hear me. It ain't perfect. No senior pastor is perfect. No staff is perfect. No worship team is perfect. No camera angle is perfect. No light. It, it's just not perfect. We are messed up. We're messed up. Whoa. <laughs> Come on, man! That was a little too strong. No, I'm start getting defensive. Hey, 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 hey! But look, look. This is what I'm saying. Knowing that the church is not something I go to, but the church is something that I am, it allows me to have the, this perspective, and this will change the game for you. It will allow me to have this perspective. It isn't always perfect or pretty, but guess what? I'm a part of it. I'm a part of this thing. And if I'm a part of it, I might as well build it instead of tear it down. I I, I might as well grow it, right? Instead of talk bad about it. I, I, I might as well be a part of it instead of coming and sitting in a seat and thumbing my nose at it, right? Like, I'm a part of this thing. I'm a part of it. I might as well serve it. I might as well love it. I might as well commit to it. I might as well dedicate my life to it. Why? Because it's not just a building. It's the bride of Christ. Woo, man, I'm a part of this thing. Guess what? I'll build by giving. I'll build through my time. I'll build through serving it. I'll build by laying my life down. I'll build by witnessing to people outside of the church. I'll build by inviting people. I'll build by bragging about my church. I'll build by doing what is asked of me, not just by a pastor, but by the scriptures. I'll build this thing because I am a part of it. And I'm a part of the bigger picture. Here's my question to you today. Are we building his church or are you just attending one? Are you building his church? Are you just showing up? Because as the church, you're called to build it. You're called to build it. Here's a third thought that you have, to, you have to change in your mind. As the church, as his church, I have heaven's dream, not the American dream. Now, when I say stuff like this, people start getting real quiet. Because I'm going to start stepping on toes. All right, it's easy to say amen, but I'm about to get you. As the church, I have heaven's dream, not the American dream. The American dream can easily kill the American church really, really quick. Because guess what? We all want to be comfortable. We all want to just come to church on Sundays, watch football in the afternoon, and then do our own thing the rest of the week. But guess what? As as his church, as his body, I'm not called to the American dream. I'm called to heaven's dream. I'm going to read you something, it's from an excerpt of a Reader's Digest, a man named John Piper actually read this, it was very convicting to me, and he said this, and I'll say it to you, let me read to you what a tragedy in the church sounds like. This is what it says, Reader's Digest, it's very short. This is what a tragedy looks like. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida. Sounds nice. Where they cruise on their 30 foot trawler, playing softball, collecting shells. Hope you're hearing me with spiritual ears and I hope you hear my heart. We need retirement, retirement is not bad. I have retirement, don't worry softball is not bad, having a boat is not evil, collecting shells, my my wife loves doing it, but as the church, this is what I'm trying to say, my dream should shift and my goal should shift, not to retirement, not to, oh man, how comfortable can I live, oh not how easy can I make it, but no, how can I advance the kingdom of God and share the gospel? How can I not just fill up a room, but how can I fill up heaven in Jesus' his name. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? It's not that I don't want you to have retirement. It's not that I want you to be miserable. It's not that God wants any of that. But it is simply that that my goal in life is not to retire at 51 with a large bank account and oh making sure that I can go on vacations every two weeks. My goal in life is saying God I want people to know your name. I don't just want people to know the name of my church. I want them to know the name of Jesus. That's my goal. That's what we're called to. Not the American dream, but heaven's dream. My my goal and my dream is that, not that I would retire early, but that I would see people healed when I pray for them. That, that 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 I would see people changed by the gospel that that I would see cities transformed and schools flipped upside down that I would see prodigals come back home to the father that that I would see that I would give so that people can know him that I would see unreached people hear the gospel for the first time doesn't that sound way better than retirement for me it does for me it does It's easy to give up the American dream when you have the Father's heart. Do we have the Father's heart? And here's my final one. As the church, we aren't looking for an answer. We are the answer. We are the answer. Worship team, you can come, or somebody on that Nord, please. oh man this is next level (laughs) that for real tripped me out I was like (laughs) I'm still looking over there like there's somebody there sorry Pastor Chad if you're watching wow I love your church please let me come back we're not looking for an answer we are the answer and you need to begin to walk right this is what it says the the word of God says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy which means what he's done before guess what he's able to do again and if he's done it in your life, he can do it in somebody else's life. But many times we walk through life and we walk into supermarkets and we walk into restaurants like we don't even believe in the product that we have. And what I need you to understand and what I need you to know is that you're not just looking, you're not looking for an answer. You are the answer when you walk into a room. Not within yourself, but because of who is in you but because who has changed your life and what he has done in your life. Can he make dry bones live again? Can he, ask, can he make seas split again? Can people survive burning furnaces again? Can multiplication of food happen again? Can the church be bold again? The answer is yes. It might not look like that it might just look a little different but here's what I want you to know that God is still saving souls that I don't care what you feel or what you think God is still saving souls he is still healing people he is still providing he is still making ways where there is no way That that he is still giving favor. He is still putting marriages back together. He is still restoring families. And he's still giving out hope. And guess what? He's using his church to do it. He wants to use you to do it. I'm telling you guys. What a very important part in the history of the church because there's about to be a dividing line of who's all in and who's not. Are we going to just come to church or are we finally gonna be the church? And I don't just mean by serving here. That's great, I want you to serve your church. What are you doing out there? Are you being the church out there? Really? Everybody stand to your feet this morning. I believe there's people here that you say, man. I believe that if we live as the church, it changes how we see the world. People moving in places for prayer and everything, and I believe that there are people here that you, Holy Spirit's convicting you. Doesn't mean you're a bad Christian, but it just means no. You need to start being the church in your workplace at the supermarket when you walk down the street, whatever it might be, I need to be the church. And maybe you're like, man, I really need to start taking territory, not just taking a seat, right? Maybe you're like, yo, I need to give up the American dream for heaven's Street. You know, maybe you're like, okay, I need to stop just looking for an answer For myself, that's fine, but I need to start being the answer for somebody else. I don't know what it is for you, but I know this that the Holy Spirit's dealing with me on these things too. Because he's waiting for his church to rise up and to do and to be who we're called to be. And if you individually, or maybe as a as a couple, you'd say got some stuff we need to move around some things we might need to change I need to start being the church and maybe it's one of my points that you just need to really focus in on whatever that might be but right now I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads close your eyes because I mean you should be bold about this but if you say man that's me on the count of three would you lift up your hand and be honest and Because I think it's going to change your life. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your home. It's going to change this place. It's going to change Burleson if you decide to do this. It's going to change where you work. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. It's awkward still. I deal with it. I was talking to somebody in my neighborhood the other week about Jesus. Awkward. It was. But I knew I had to do it because I knew I'm called to do more than just sit in a seat.